So we're in, in, in the book of Ephesians today, and I'm going to share just before we come to communion this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Come on, church. I don't know about you, but I like reading the Word. I can read the Word forever. Do you know what I mean? There's some good stuff in here, folks. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. That's you. When you, when you believed You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. What a great reading. Come on, we love the word, don't we? I don't know about you, but the word is where it's at for me. You know, if you're not in a little group where you get together and read the word together, you need to be. Because I tell you what, there is something to discover in the word, being with people and sharing it together. Where two or three are gathered together, In my name, there I am in the midst of them. It's perfectly biblical for us to share the word together. And sometimes we kind of read it on our own and we reflect. But you know what? That's great. But actually, you know what? There's something better from actually taking the word that's alive and active and rubbing it up against people with lives and saying, how does this apply to us? It's good, isn't it? It's all right, Dave. I want to share from verse 7 today. We're in this essential series, Key Scriptures for Life. And uh, this little verse just is, you know, I mean, this, this passage is just a nugget of the Scripture. I, I, I love Ephesians. I, I think possibly if I could only have one book with me, it would be Ephesians. I just love it. It's just so full of life and vitality and encouragement and doctrine and, and helps us understand more about what God's done in our lives. So, you know, it's a great book. But, I, 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 you know, I just um, wanted to pull one verse out today. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. What a great verse. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the word already today. Some of you need to tell your face it's going to be exciting today. Do you know what I mean? You need to say, you know what, it's going to do my heart good. You know, I love the word. I just want to talk about Jesus this morning. Is that okay? We're going to come to communion in a little while, and we're going to take communion, and we do this in remembrance of him. And I want to talk about being in him this morning. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. New Living Translation puts it like this. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. 
The message says this, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. That's not bad, is it? You know, we have to understand the truth this morning. The truth sets us free. We have to understand the truth of what it means to be in him this morning. Uh, I think this verse is one of those heavy hitters of the Bible. That's why I put it in. In him we have redemption through his blood. There's a verse for all of us to know. See, you're not sure what verses the Bible to remember. Just remember these. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. Come on. That's not a bad verse for a Sunday morning. It's not a bad verse for us who are trying to be followers of Christ. It's not for us who are trying to follow him. You know, we've got to see the, our lives. What we do here on a Sunday is equipping us for living Monday through to next Sunday following him. In him, we have redemption through his blood. And I just want to try and unpack this, what, what it means to be uh, in him this morning. Uh, we, we are not uh, vague religious people today. Do you know that? I mean, some of us are vague people, but we're not vague religious people. We've not, we're not got some kind of vain hope. We've not got some ethereal belief that might or might land us somewhere. Why could we sing this song, above all powers, above all thrones, above everything that this world could throw us? We, we believe it well, because Jesus is alive, friends. That's the faith of the church, that it's in him that we find and have our being, as Paul says elsewhere. For in him all things were created, things in heaven or on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. See, that's the faith we have today. Sometimes we need to get excited about the big picture, don't we? You know, sometimes we come to Jesus and it's, it's all about me. Oh, Lord, you know, I, I need you, I need you. And friends, we all need him. I don't know about you, but I don't have many weeks where I don't need Jesus to, to do something for me. Just to give me courage to face you, Lord, on a Sunday, that's a prayer every week. Lord, help us. But we've got to remember, it's not about us, it's about him. In him, all things are hold together. Friends, in him, your life will hold together. In him, your future is secure. In him, the path of your life will be worked out by him. In him, it's it's all about who he is. And uh, Paul comes together and he gives us this great verse. And I want to try and unpack what it means to be in him. Firstly, in him we have the payment of our debt. Come on, church. We have the payment of our debt. Our world knows a lot about debt, doesn't it? I was looking this week, the average household debt, not including mortgage, this year in the UK is £14,000. Not including mortgage. Debt everywhere. People just out of control. Debt, debt, debt. Can't, can't sort it out. Debt is a familiar story. And this picture that, Jesus, that the word gives us here is redemption. It's someone coming and settling a debt. That's what to redeem something means. It's, it's the term of you lost something and then somebody paid a price and got it back for you. It's what happens at the pawnbroker when you give something and get value alone. You go and redeem it back to yourself. And this message of the gospel is that Jesus, in him, we have the payment of our debt by his blood. Amen. 
Always like a little uh, explosion of excitement. Because he was able to pay a price for us. It's this paying it back. The Bible gives us a picture of this in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament book of Hosea, we have this amazing story of uh, Hosea the prophet who was called by God to speak to uh, Israel. And one of the ways that he was to do this was he took to himself an unfaithful wife. A wife who was immoral. A wife who was always straying from him. And he had three children with uh, this wife. And, um, and she would have the children and, and stay with him for a while. And then she would go away and prostitute herself and sell herself and all kinds of stuff and she ended up being taken into slavery uh, with a debt that she had accrued and the word of the Lord came to Hosea and he said go and take your wife and bring her back to you and so Hosea had to go and had to purchase his wife back and bring her back to his house and it's a picture of redemption and God said this is how unfaithful Israel treats me God I buy it back and it wanders away. And this picture of redemption of Hosea going and getting his wife Gomer and bringing him back to his house and paying the penalty for her captivity, 12 shekels of silver and an uh, ephah of barley. And he brings it back and he puts her in his house and he makes her his wife again. And it's a picture for us of what redemption looks like for us. See, the Bible says there's a debt that we have accumulated that we can't pay. It's called sin. And it's separated us from God and it's placed us in a, in a debt situation that we cannot clear. Have you ever seen that? The credit card bill comes in and you ignore it. And the next month it comes in. And it's higher than it was. And over the years, friends, it's a story that's happening all over our country. And over the years, people's debt just increases, increases, increases. And they have no chance of paying it. Unless somebody can redeem them. The Bible says that our sins have separated us from the Lord. And our iniquities have brought us into judgment under him. The wages of sin is death. The payment of it. And it's a debt that we cannot pay and stay alive. And that's why Jesus came. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, he said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom, as a payment. He came to redeem us. He came to redeem us. He came in him. We have a payment of our debt. Hebrews 9, he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins that they've committed. Amen. I don't know about you today, but it's paid in full. Our debt has been paid by Jesus. I was in a restaurant a few uh, years ago with Julia and the family, and uh, we were sitting just, you know, enjoying a nice meal. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you come to that time of the evening, do you say, uh, can I have the bill, please, sir? And they look at you, and they look at you, and they're thinking, oh. And they said this amazing thing. They said, it's okay, sir, your bill's been paid. And I went, who's paid your bill? He said, oh, some of your friends saw you eating and they decided they would pay your bill. You're free to go. Happens to me every week. (laughs) It's happened once in my entire life. And it was an amazing feeling. I I felt a bit, Bill, you know how you feel a bit guilty and feel a bit shifty, don't you? Walking out past the till. 
Why? Because my bill was paid. Somebody else had redeemed my dinner. And I was free to go. Friends, that's what's happened. Your bill has been paid by Jesus. All the stuff that you've done in your life that would separate you from God and that would condemn you and would cause you to feel ashamed in his presence and ashamed in other people's presence. Friends, the bill for that sin has been paid. You're free to go. That's the message of the gospel. That's the message of this verse. In him, we have redemption. Friends, it's not that the bill hasn't been paid. It has. It's just you don't have to pay it because Jesus has spilled his blood. Instead of your blood, his blood pays the price. Hallelujah. Man, we could have a party right now, couldn't we? Come on. Friends, if we've lost the joy of that truth, we're still living in slavery. Hello. That's the problem, isn't it? Sometimes we still live as if we have the debt to pay. Have you ever come to God and and all of a sudden the enemy's whispering in your ear, oh, you can't worship today. Just think about what you did yesterday. Just me. The enemy wants to keep us in slavery, you see. He wants to keep us in debt. He wants us to convince us that actually we have to pay the price. Friends, you know there's a word for that. It's called religion. Religion tells you you have to pay. Religion makes you feel you're not good enough. Friends, accept the fact you're not good enough, but your debt's been paid. That's what it's about. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The blood of Jesus sets me free from everything. All the stuff that I've done. Hey, here's the amazing thing. All the stuff I'm going to do. Get your head around that. The good that I want to do, that's the stuff I don't do. The bad that I'm not going to do, I end up doing. Anybody know that feeling? I'm going to follow you, good Jesus, and never going to say that. Oh, I've said it. I'm never going to think that. Oh. And the enemy of our soul comes and says, You're not redeemed. If you were redeemed, you wouldn't do that. No, friends. It's because you're like that that you need a savior. It's because you're like that you need a redeemer. It's because you're like that. Friends, if I was only saved for all the sin I committed until I got saved, if that was it, if the redemption only covered up to when I signed in, friends, I might as well go and throw myself in front of a bus today. I'm in big trouble. Because I've been a pastor here 14 years. That's caused me some sin. I can sin without you lot too, but it's a nice excuse, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? We have to understand it. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Listen, the sin I haven't yet committed, his blood has paid for it. That's what it means. Redemption is not just a little, oh, well, it's fine. Redemption is it's all taken care of. Redemption is I can go back in the restaurant and have a third course because I didn't know I wasn't paying. (laughs) Come on, that's what it's like. That's what it's like. Because they've paid. Hallelujah. See, when you know you're redeemed, don't you like that? I always like to go, who's paying? Someone else is paying. I say, well, let's have a second drink. (laughs) See, it's true, isn't it? See, if you go out with a millionaire and he offers to pay, you don't go to the harvester. (laughs) Because you can afford that yourself, can't you? You say, oh, I know a nice restaurant. And then you start looking desperately through your iPhone. Most expensive restaurant in Derby. (laughs) Because someone's just offered to pay the bill. Friends, Jesus has paid the bill. He's redeemed us. He's redeemed us. It's all gone. 
Friends, we don't understand that. There's something we don't like about that. Hey, because that means that the people who sin against you, guess what? He's paid it. Which brings us to the next point. First one is in him we have the payment of our debt. In him we have the restoration of our relationships. The forgiveness of sins. See, it's one thing to be debt free. It's another thing to have restored relationships. See, sometimes we, we say to people, people ask us, do you forgive me? And we say, yes. And then we walk away. Good Christian people. Yes, I forgive you. Never talk to him again. <laughs> Friends, that's not forgiveness. That might be, uh, I've been reconciled. But forgiveness is, yes, I forgive you from the heart. I choose to forgive you for what you've done to me. And it's only when we choose that level of forgiveness that we can have reconciled relationships. Until then, it's just a theory. Hello. And Jesus came not just to redeem us and to set us free, because the truth is he could have set us free and then said to us, and don't do it again. But he forgave us our sins. And he forgives us our sins. Forgiveness, redemption is about our condition. Forgiveness is about our relationship. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Wow. Come on, I love that phrase. Not counting people's sins against them. Friends, if you want to know what forgiveness is, it's not counting people's sins against them. Forgiveness is saying, you know what, they hurt me, but it doesn't matter. I'm not going to count it against them. Hello. See, it's one thing to say I'm forgiven. It's another thing to say I forgive. But, But in him... We are restored into our relationship with Christ. In him, we're restored before the Father. In him, we can come and... I uh, don't know where that came from. Uh, uh, and in him, we can enter into the presence of the Father and say, here I am, a son of God, a daughter of God, changed. I can call you Father. Because in him, I have a restored relationship. Jesus came not just to set us free, but in right relationship with God. Through him, everyone who believes is set free of sin. You know, the result of forgiveness is confidence. It's confidence. See, when you know you're forgiven, you have confidence about who you are. When you haven't got confidence about who you are, it's because you feel that somebody is holding something against you. That something somebody said about you or towards you could be true. And instead of allowing it just to uh, touch your life, but then acknowledging the truth of it, but actually saying, you know what, I'm forgiven. You see, when you've got a problem with somebody and there's no forgiveness, everything about that relationship goes to pot. That's what happens in marriages. There's no forgiveness, and so people can't be confident with one another. And if they lack confidence, then they become paranoid and insecure. It's what happens in friendships. It's what happens in churches. Wherever there are relationships. Because if there's no forgiveness, then people feel that they're still having their sins counted against them. And nobody can live with that for very long. It brings sadness and depression. Have you ever noticed? 
But Jesus comes and he says, no, I forgive you. Your sins are forgiven. The woman caught in adultery, totally guilty, totally caught out, totally condemned, ready to be stoned, only saved by the grace of Jesus Christ coming into the place. What was Jesus' words to her? Neither do I condemn you. You're forgiven. And she's free then to build her life, free to walk in whatever she wants to walk in. Because God doesn't even determine that we have to walk in him. He forgives us our sins when we ask him. It's the grace of God poured into our lives. And therefore, we're able to be, uh, we don't have to seek approval from him, but are free. In him and through faith in him, we approach God with freedom and confidence. I was with someone uh, and a minister, well, friends, we gather maybe two or three times a year just to meet and pray. And one of my friends just said this. He just said this. I've been meditating on the prodigal son. My question was this. What if the prodigal son had met the older brother first? And he said, and I've preached in my church. I don't want any older brothers welcoming anybody into our church. And I just thought, you know what? That's so true. See, the older brother hasn't really understood forgiveness. He's still a slave in his head. And so when he, when he sees the father's lavish treatment of this reprobate brother who had wasted his life and his inheritance, he's absolutely furious. He says, how can you waste your stuff on this total loser? Why? Because he doesn't understand forgiveness. He's still counting his sins against him. You know, church, we need to make sure that when people come into our building, we don't count their sins against them. You need to make sure when you meet people in life, you're not counting their sins against them. Hey, they're not like you. I was going to say thank the Lord then. I'm not sure that's the appropriate one. We're all different. Aren't you glad? See, see this prodigal son knew that and, and it was interesting, the prodigal son didn't even aim for a restored relationship. He just aimed for food. In his total desperation, he said, you know, even my father's servants get better treated than me, so maybe I can be a servant. And he comes, and, and I love this, his father's waiting and searching for him, and he sees him a long way off, and he, he just runs towards him because it's his son. You know, sometimes, friends, we think God is sitting, you know, on the, on the throne, on the doorstep of his house, waiting for us to crawl to him. And the truth is, he's waiting to run to us if we'll just open our lives to him. And as the son comes back, he sees him and he recognizes him. The way he's walking, the way he looks, and he runs to him and he throws his head. And he's got his speech prepared. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your servants. And the father says to him, don't be stupid, you're my son. I'm not going to treat you like a servant, you're my son. Everything I have, you're welcome to it, you're my son. See, forgiveness doesn't count people's sins against them. And we need to understand that Jesus, in him, there is forgiveness of sins, that we can come right in to the kingdom of God and we receive his lavish abundance poured out upon our lives. This restoration only comes through Jesus. In him, we have the forgiveness 
of our sins and a restored relationship. And then finally this morning, in him we have grace for our needs. I love this. In accordance with the riches of God's grace. Paul reminds us not only have we been forgiven, but that God's grace has been poured out upon our lives. You know, this amazing grace that we sung about this morning, how sweet the sound. God has given us grace, not just mercy. Mercy is not getting treated like we deserve. You've had the policeman say to you, well, you were over the limit, but I'll lay you off this once. Just me. That's called mercy. The law says I could judge you, but I'm going to ask you to consider your ways. It's mercy. Grace is when the policeman says you're guilty. Here's your ticket. Here's 30 quid. That's grace. You owe it, but I'll pay it. Some of us are wishing for meetings like that with policemen right now, aren't we? Do you know what I mean? I've not one of them. That's grace. Grace is not getting what we uh, deserve. It's getting more than we deserve. It's getting the abundance of, of what God has for us. Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Listen, if your life is under those things, you need to know that's not God. He's not here to steal, kill, and to destroy. He might train you. He might, he might allow things to happen in your life that you're going to struggle with. He might allow situations to confront your path as you walk, but he hasn't come to destroy you. He's come to build you. He says, I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. Have it to the full. Have it overflowing. Grace is a wonderful word. It's represented by the father coming and throwing his arms around his son and putting a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and putting the best robe on him and then throwing a party because he's alive. Because he's back again. That's grace. You know, if only we could understand the grace of God towards us. If only we could really get it, that actually God isn't going to make us be a servant. He's called us to be sons and daughters. He isn't going to treat us like servants. He's going to treat us like sons and daughters. And that's what Jesus came to bring. For if by the trespass of one man, Romans 5 tells us, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Come on. That's a great verse. Sometimes you've got to struggle with the meaning of these big verses just to try and understand the truth of it. We're called to reign in life with Jesus Christ live in the grace of God. And he's not talking about, you know, I mean, so many people try today to to interpret the grace as being wealthy, healthy, and wise. Friends, that's a sham of the grace of God. That's Western capitalist consumerist mentality. Listen, that's the the effects of having grace. Because you know what? When you receive the grace of God, it changes how you live. And when you receive the grace of God, it causes you to think differently. And you live some of these principles of the Bible like differently. And you learn to forgive those who hurt you. And guess what? You have a better life because of it. You learn to use your money differently because God teaches your principles about it. And guess what? You have a better life because of it. That's a side effect of grace. Grace is to do with how God treats you. Grace is deeper than what we own and what we have. That, that's the blessing that we have in our lives or, or we don't have because many of our brothers and sisters don't have it. Hello. 
It galls me when people equate blessing with riches, friends, because most of the church is in poverty in our world. And, the, and actually, in the scriptures, they were too, because they were always collecting food and money to support the churches around the world. And you twisted it to be it's all about what we have. It's an abhorrence of the gospel. Anyway, don't get me started on that one. Because the truth is, I'm blessed, friends, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Why? Because the grace of God reigns over my life. And so we're free to be who God has called us to be. God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. That sounds like grace to me. We get a look in in the heavenly realms, friends. Hallelujah. There comes a day when we sit at the supper of the Lamb. I like lamb. We sit there and we order what he, he has provided for us. And guess what? The bill is paid. Because he's redeemed us. In order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is grace that has saved us and it is grace that will keep us. When we've been there 10,000 years, it's grace, friends. And grace comes to our lives and strengthens us. Paul, in his writing, talks about the thorn in the flesh that he had. He doesn't tell us what it is, which is probably the cleverest movie he ever did. He just says, three times I pleaded with God to take this thorn in my flesh away. We don't know what it is. Scholars of various kind of like suggestions, we don't know what it is. He says, three times I pleaded with him. And his reply to me was, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He says to him, the answer to enduring and finding strength for me is not in you, Paul. It's my grace. It's in him. Are the riches of the grace of God. And so that's why this morning we come to this communion table and we come to take these emblems together. Why? Because Jesus told us to do this because of him, because of what he did for us, because of what he established for us with a new covenant in his blood. And why? Because it speaks of his redemption, that he brought us back with the blood that he shed for us and his body that was broken for us. It speaks of the forgiveness that God is not counting our sins against us, but is calling us into right relationship. And it speaks of his grace that meets our needs. And we all have those needs. They're all different, but his grace is sufficient for us because it comes from the Lord. I wonder where the band come back. In him.